Let's pause to pray. Jesus, Messiah, Lord of all, all the glory to you. Father, thank you that it's by your grace and it's for your glory that we gather here this morning. We acknowledge that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Our, my knee, our knee will bow. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. Holy Spirit, thank you for shining the light on the person of the Lord Jesus this morning through what we have heard, through what we have sung. Continue to shine that light so that we may understand to the best of our abilities the wonder and the majesty and the glory and the honor of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. So we've been working through what we in the Christian Missionary Alliance call the fourfold gospel. Christ our Savior, Christ our Sanctifier, Christ our Healer, Christ our Coming King. And in some ways, they do just what the songs have done this morning. They point to Jesus. Obviously, our Savior, Jesus our Savior. Jesus our Sanctifier is the one who sends his Spirit in John chapter 14 when Jesus is meeting with the apostles the night before he goes to the cross, he says, I have to leave. They go, why? He says, unless I leave, the other comforter, the other counselor, another counselor. And, and it's key word there in John 14, it's another just like me, okay? So, so there's this replacement, if you will, for Jesus that's just like Jesus, but Jesus has to go to the cross. And so he promises the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Sanctifier, the one who will make them holy. And then Christ, our healer, Jesus is the great physician. So again, it points us back to Jesus. And then the last one, the one we're looking at today is Christ, our coming King. It's about the return of Jesus. Interesting thing about these four aspects of the person and work of Jesus there's some tension, there's some challenges that come as we think about them, and as, as we read about them in the Bible. First of all, Christ our Savior. If you read through the New Testament and, and read through it carefully, and maybe somewhat meditatively and reflectively and repetitiously, you'll notice some things that are said about being saved. There's a phrase that says, sometimes it comes up, we have been saved. Ephesians 2, we have been saved through faith. It also says sometimes we are being saved. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, to those who are being saved. And then there's a phrase, comes up occasionally, says we will be saved. So there's, there's kind of a, a past, a present, and a future to this whole thing about Christ our Savior. Have been saved, are being saved, will be saved. Um, when it comes to Christ our Sanctifier, the Holy Spirit, We've talked about this as we've used kind of the book of Hebrews as our background a little bit, that, that not only 
are we to be holy, but we are made holy. We are, we are holy in Christ. So there's this idea that in alliance circles, we talk about it in terms of positional sanctification. When we become a follower of Jesus, we are made holy. We are classified as saints because of what Jesus has done. So, so there is this idea of this declaration because of our relationship with Jesus, because of our putting our trust in him and recognizing that he took my place on the cross. He bore in his body what I deserve in my life. I am made holy. I am right with God. And there's the theological words of justification and sanctification, but part of that is to be made holy. The Bible is pretty clear. We are made holy. We're saints. Surprise, surprise, we're saints. But there's also the point of we are to be holy. Hebrews talks about the holiness that we must pursue, otherwise we won't be able to see God. The holiness with which no one will see God. So, so there's this positional idea, but then there's this progressive idea. There's, there's this growth in holiness. There is this development. There is this understanding and awareness more and more of, of how much of my life Jesus wants to have. It's called progressive sanctification, allowing every area of my life to be controlled by Jesus, knowing that this side of heaven ain't going to happen, but that's what I'm to shoot for. And then when I'm in heaven, then it will all come together. So, so as far as Christ, our sanctifier, there's this idea of we are made holy and we are being made holy. As far as healing is concerned, this is the challenge. And we talked about a little bit last week in terms of healing. God doesn't answer every prayer for healing. I would like to think that those who came forward last week for prayer for healing can look at those stones over there, and when someone says, what do those stones mean? They can say, that was my moment when I realized the faithfulness of God, whether he answered my prayer or whether he didn't answer my prayer. As we use those stones from the book of Joshua, what do these stones mean? I would like to think that maybe last Sunday was one of those days for one of those stones for some of us. But not every prayer was answered, and so that's a challenge sometimes. And I told you some stories about my experience with people for healing. And some prayers are answered and some aren't. But we do believe, because Jesus is the great physician, that when we get to heaven, all those prayers for healing will be answered. We won't need to worry about having microphones in the aisles for a meeting, because we'll all hear fine. We won't need to worry about helping people and having places for, for people with disabilities to have access to worship. We won't have to worry about that because we will all be healed. So, so again, right? Have been saved, are being saved, will be saved. We are holy, we're to be holy. Healed, some now, some not yet. Then we come to this coming king idea. It's kind of a now, not yet thing again. Jesus said, and I think it's Matthew chapter 12, as he was casting out demons and there was a big debate with the power by which he did it, Jesus said to them, if I cast out demons, if I heal people, if I cure people by the finger of God, then know for sure that the kingdom of God has come upon you. 
If I cast out demons by the finger of God or by the Spirit of God, I think Luke says, if I cast out demons by the finger of God, then know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the kingdom of God has come. It's here. It's now. The reign and rule of God begins with the coming of Jesus. A whole new era. A whole new era begins with the coming of Jesus. In fact, we've been using Hebrews as a bit of our background, right? Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the past, God spoke in various times and various ways through the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us through his Son. Coming of Jesus is the beginning of the last days, of the end times. The kingdom of God has come. But at the same time, we know there is so much more in the kingdom of God that is yet to be unveiled when Jesus returns. Right? There's still this struggle. There's still this battle going on between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. It's going on and the world goes on in our lives. We still fight. We still talk about the, the oppression and the opposition we felt. That was one. That's why we sing about the cross and the resurrection. The battle has been won. Satan's doom, sin, death, and hell have been defeated. Signs sealed, delivered. It's done. Any of you, any of you, war historians? It's the significance of D-Day and D-E. So D-Day is Normandy. D-Day is Normandy. Essentially, World War II was decided on D-Day. The Allied forces broke through the German barriers and lines and just started to scatter. So D-Day didn't end the war. D-Day was essentially the end of the war for the active force. The E-Day, May, a year and a bit later, or just a little under a year later, PE Day, you in Europe, that's a good analogy to understand this now, not yet aspect, right? The kingdom of God has come, the reign and rule of God has come, it's in our lives, it's in the body of Christ, it's in the family of God, it's in the bride of Christ, but it hasn't yet manifested itself in the world. So, there's, there's all these sort of tensions, right? There's, in, in all of these things, walking with Jesus, being a follower of Jesus, isn't a one and done It's something to work on. It's something to grow into. It, it's something to pursue. It's something, sometimes two steps forward, one step back. Sometimes one step forward, two steps back. But it's a constant ebb and flow of a relationship with Jesus. And, and that's challenging. And, and it's sometimes frustrating. And it's, you know, am I tipping or passing? Am I coming or going? How, how is my relationship with Jesus in, in this sort of back and forth? Um, Coming, going, pitching, and catching. I call it a three dog morning. Three dog morning. Yesterday, I was on my run. 
and I was coming to the end of my run. I was on mile five of six. It was a 10K run in my own workout. And I was coming on mile five of my run. And so I'm starting to fade. <laughs> starting to feel it. I, I get a little wobbly. And in the path in Regina, there is a line down the middle to keep you on your side. But by the time I'm getting to that point, it's like I'm not always walking the line. Right? So I'm, I'm coming back towards home. And there's a hill. And so I'm coming up the hill, so I'm heading for home, and other people are coming this way. The lady with her dog, she's ahead of me. She moves over on the grass. The dog is on the way. She's a mid-sized dog. So as I'm, as I'm coming to the bottom of the hill, here's this lady with her mid-sized dog. And I'd passed it before, and I knew it was a fairly tame dog. It didn't sense when I ran by them before. Over the hill comes two ladies with their... So I'm coming up the hill, there's this dog, and there's, now they're little dogs. So I'm kind of fair, okay, what are these ladies going to do? Where am I going to run? I don't want to get between the dogs. It's not a pretty scene when the two dogs start uh, going to each other. So I'm going, where am I going to run? I, my three dog morning, right? So I, I don't know, what am I going to do? Because the lady with the one small dog, she's right over on the edge on my side, and there's a retaining wall there, so I can't go on the inside of her. She's kind of blocking me from going inside, because that would be my preference. But I can't. So i got to go in the middle. And so i got to run between one of the little dogs. And I had this thought, okay, I guess I could pick the dog. It's a problem. But that would probably go viral, and I'd have a whole lot of apologies to make. So it's like, right? It's just, it's just that feeling of being in the middle. And, and sometimes I think all of this really, really throws us a little bit. Like, okay, is, it, is this an action time for me? Is this a wait time? Is, is this a let go and let God do it? Or is this something he really wants me to dive into and use the gifts and abilities and talents he's given me? And, and I think a lot of times our life in, in Christ is, if we understand these things, and we understand it's not a one and done, it's not, I've become a follower of Jesus, good, I, I can live any way I want, and, and just let live. Most of us know that's not how this works. It might sound very technical, sort of detailed, but, you know, if you're a farmer, don't the technical details matter when you're working with online or online? For your own life, I think. If you work for fast power and there are technical things you need to know about the equipment and the machinery and the things you work with, don't the technical things have some significance in saving your life? I remember when we first moved to Saskatchewan. In 94, I remember there were, I haven't heard any lately, but I remember there was a couple of incidents somewhere in the province, I don't remember where, but where uh, someone working on the power lines had been killed and was seriously injured. As I followed the stories a little bit, it turned out these, these were individuals that had been around for a long time. And they suspected that they just kind of cut some corners and didn't worry about any technical details. Technical is important, especially when we realize it has practical application. And I think this 
no man's land, if you will, this free dog morning that we sometimes find ourselves in is really important for you and me in, in, our, in our posture before God, in our posture before God, in terms of humility, in terms of understanding our dependence upon God, and in understanding that yeah, we, we need His help. Like we were singing, right? In the middle of the night. In the, in the dark of the night, when the night has its hold on me, he will never let me go. So, so there's there's a dependence. There, there's a surrender. I think it goes beyond that. And this, sometimes things become clearer when I'm running. Usually it's only one thing. I can't handle it even more than one thing. But something became clear as I was running yesterday. And that, that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. This idea in this in-between time, in, in the midst of these things going on in our lives, and we're trying to figure out, what is this God wants for me? What is this that God wants me to do? Am I to, am I to pray and let him take it from there? Am I to act? Am I to pursue something? For the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance, the earnest, the surety of our inheritance who is active in our lives now. He is working in us. He is working through us. He wants to bear good fruit. I don't think he can, though, if we're thinking, man, I'm, I'm, I'm on track with Jesus. I'm done. That's it. I'm going to heaven. Can't wait. But in those challenges of following Jesus and being what Jesus wants us to be in the world, the Holy Spirit indwells us, transforms us, enlightens us, assures us, equips us, reveals to us, reminds us, convicts us, and illuminates. That's what the Spirit does. That's why we need the Spirit. If you're not confounded by those things, if, if let's take, just take this one with the Holy Spirit. If you're not pursuing holiness, because you think, I'm saved, and I'm good, and I'm right with God, and that's all I need. But if you're pursuing holiness and trying to figure out what Jesus God. Trying to figure out what does God want me to do? What will please him? What will bring him glory? What what will reveal him to the people around me? That only happens with the Holy Spirit. There's no other way that's going to happen. That's why the Holy Spirit is given. To indwell us, to transform us, to enlighten us, to assure us, to equip us, to reveal, to remind, to convict, and to illuminate. One of the verses on this that we don't, I don't think of too often, James chapter 4. If you have your Bible, turn to James chapter 4. If you're working with the church Bible there, the blue one, page 1120. There's a little phrase in James chapter 4 that I think just reminds us of the role of the Holy Spirit in moving us forward. James chapter 4. He's encouraging them to submit themselves to God. And in James chapter 4, verse 5, James says this. James, very practical, right? No practical, James is very practical. He says, Or do you think scriptures say without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us tends toward envy? Now, even in the NIV translation, that's kind of a tough thing to figure out. 
Or do you think Scripture says without reason that the Spirit He caused to live in us tends toward it? Okay, so the, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit living in us, probably should be have a, have a capital S on it. Why does the Holy Spirit live in us? Well, I came across another translation, a commentator, I don't remember who, but I think put it in a way that really describes it very well. It's going to be on the screen here. This is the way it was translated. The Spirit who dwells at home in us has a keen desire for our spiritual welfare. To the point of jealousy. I think that's very helpful. What's the Spirit longing to do in us? Right there, thank you. What's God trying, what's Jesus trying to do in us? The Spirit who dwells at home in us, that's his residence, right? Has a keen desire for our spiritual warfare. To the point of jealousy, I would even change that word to the idea of passion. The, the intensity, the intensity with which the Spirit wants us to be like Jesus is passionate, intense. So the Spirit who dwells at home in us has a keen desire for our spiritual welfare to the point of jealousy. That's my conclusion to this whole thing about these four aspects and, and, and the tension and the challenge and the sometimes seemingly discontinuity that, that comes up because of them. The Spirit who dwells, who is at home in us, is stirring in all of us. He's constantly pushing, he's pulling, he's prodding, he's nudging, he's driving, he's carrying. Right? What a great picture. What a great picture. The Spirit who dwells at home in us has a keen desire for our spiritual welfare. Passionately, intensely, jealously. When it comes to Christ, our coming King, um, we could look at the book of Hebrews. We've used the book of Hebrews as a backdrop for, for all of these aspects a little bit. Interestingly, in the book of Hebrews, it, it talks a lot about the second coming. It talks about Jesus' return. It talks about his appearing a second time. It talks about judgment. It talks in Hebrews chapter 4, as it talks about the word of God is quick and sharper, more powerful than it talks about God is the one to whom we must give an account. Well, there's judgment. Our God is a consuming fire. There's also great anticipation. So the promise of the new covenant is that I will be God and you will be people. And there's great anticipation for the people of God when Jesus returns and when Jesus comes again. There is a better hope, the apostle says in chapter 7. There is the good things that are already here, and there are the good things that are coming. Hebrews chapter 9, Hebrews chapter 10. So you got that both and again, right? You've got the now and the not yet. He will appear a second time to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. In fact, Hebrews also tells us Jesus is waiting. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 13. What's Jesus doing now in heaven? It says he's waiting. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 13. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool because we do not yet see everything in subjection to Jesus. Right now, Jesus is waiting. And by the way, waiting doesn't mean passively 
anything like you do in a doctor's office. Here, uh, our appointment is now good to go. He's not a passive leader. He is serving. He is serving. He is interceding for us. He is active in his waiting. Maybe three ways to consider the implications for Christ, our coming King. And they all start with the letter C. First one is calendar. Something about us, right? We want to know the date and the time. We want to know when is Jesus going to return. Calendars are more important to some people than other people, but all of us like we like to know when is it going to happen? Fascinating. It's trying to put the pieces together. We want to know the time. We want to know the conditions for his appearing. Jesus said, No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels nor the Son, but only the Father. Even Jesus knows the day. Only the Father knows the day and the hour. This is our statement of faith in the Christian Missionary Alliance. Faith. About the coming of Jesus. There's actually three times in our 12, I think 12 statements of faith, three times the return of Jesus comes up. First one, article number two. And then the slide there. Article number two. Interesting how much our songs this morning have, have not just talked about our coming king, but they went back to the cross. Uh, Jesus Messiah, glorious day. It's like reading Article 2 from, the, from our doctrinal page. Jesus Christ is true God and true man. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He died upon the cross, the just for the unjust, as a substitutionary sacrifice. And all who believe in him are justified on the ground of his shed blood. He arose from the dead according to the scriptures. He is now at the right hand of the majesty on high as our great high priest. Interceding for us, serving, and waiting for his enemies to be made his footstool. He will come again to establish his kingdom of righteousness and peace. So there's the first question. Article number 10. There shall be a bodily resurrection of the just and the unjust. For the former, a resurrection unto life, and for the latter, a resurrection unto death. And then Article number 11. Second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is imminent and happen at any time and will be personal and visible. As the believer's blessed hope, this vital truth is an incentive for holy living and sacrificial service for the completion of Christ's mission. So this leads to the other two scenes when it comes to the coming king. First one is conduct. Talked about calendar, talked about now let's talk about conduct. Knowing that Jesus will return and that God will act in judgment and faithfulness, 2 Peter chapter 3 says, what kind of people ought we to be? What kind of people ought we to be? How, Francis Schaeffer, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, how should we then live? How should we live knowing that Jesus can return at any time, at any moment? You know, our backgrounds influence our backgrounds influence our approach to this, but also actually our backgrounds influence our approach to all kinds of 
theological viewpoint. I became a follower of Jesus when I was eight years old. Christian service for me. Technically, You're the minority. We're the minority. Which is a good thing, right? Because that, that tells us something about our congregation. It, it was a boys club. It was kind of military-based and kind of um, regimented in a good way. Um, I was eight years old. I remember sitting at the front of the church. Uh, it was on the right side, almost where Jigs is sitting here. I remember sitting in the front row after stockaders one night. And I was sitting in the front row, and Gordon Cook was one of my our post leaders. Um, led me to Christ. I was scared. I didn't want to go to hell. I really had no idea who Jesus was. I knew that he had died for my sins, so I wouldn't go to hell. And as Gordon led me to Christ, eight years old, it was just. It took me almost 20 years before I got out of the fear mode and got into the future. But that, that truly was, it was, it was a Lewis Palau conference in Toronto. And he just, he had an invitation for people who, who were sold out to Picture of Here's what will happen if you don't follow Jesus. Here's, here's how you need to follow Jesus. And then, to me, that took 20 years ago. And so sometimes when, when we talk about this, about Jesus returning and his imminent return, I'm not thinking fear. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not thinking fear-based sort of responses. In case Jesus finds me doing something wrong. I'm not talking about that. But I am talking about guardrails in my life. With the imminent return of Jesus, that Jesus can return at any moment, that I'm putting guardrails in my life. That I'm putting a governor on my emotions, like we put sometimes a governor on the gas pedal of a vehicle. I'm putting a governor on my emotions and my reactions. I'm seeking guidance in my choices. I'm looking for godliness in my motivation. And all that comes from the Holy Spirit. That's why that Holy Spirit factor who dwells in us, who eagerly longs for us, jealously longs for us, be like Christ. And if you thought we would be. Christ centered, spirit empowered, The last one was calendar, the conduct. The third one is character. Hebrews talks a lot about a cleansed conscience, a clear conscience, a pure conscience. It comes only because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Character produces the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Turn to 1 John chapter 1, page 1130. 1 John chapter 3. First John chapter three, verse one. Character. Character. 
First John chapter 3, page 1130 in the Bible. First John 3.1, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. Things we don't know. There are some things we don't know, and we won't know. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, and we shall see him as he is. That's who we are. Our being. When he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself. We've come back, we've, we've gone around, and now we're back, full circle, back to who Jesus is. Paul closes his last epistle, back to Timothy. Paul closes his last epistle by referring to all who have longed for Jesus' spirit. Been sort of a key word that's been popping up. I, mean, I don't know if you caught it. You might not have. Um, I caught it because I was watching the slides. Actually, the word is used in there a couple times. That sort of got me thinking. Wow, this word's showing up a few times. The word together. The word together. Graham talked about a couple times in Acts 15 about the church coming together. Last reference. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Familiar verse. At least the first part of it. At least the first part of it. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. King James Version, forsake not the assembling of yourselves. How familiar this verse is in church circles. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. Look up there. And all the more as you see the day approaching. There it is. There it is. Coming King. All the more as you see. So, so coming together, working together, being together, fellowshipping together. Almost like the more you sense Jesus' return is soon, the more you should be together. Almost the sense you get from this. Let us not give up meeting together, but let us encourage one another, and all the more you should see the day approaching. Encouragement and togetherness should happen more and more if we really believe Jesus will come at any time, at any moment. It affects how we behave. It affects how we live. Here's a picture of the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the family of God coming together. And we all know that we're going to be together in heaven. Right? We all know that we will be together in heaven. Who knows what kind of style of music we will be singing in heaven? Will it be the old Jewish style from the Old Testament? Will it be Gregorian chants in the Middle Ages? Will it be, you name it. What if it's 
a set time for everything throughout church history. You and I have to wait how many years, minutes, until we sing our kind of music. When we're together, is it really going to matter the different styles and the different viewpoints and the different preferences? Because what? We're together. We're together. And it's not about us being together, right? It's about Jesus. Jesus in the center. Christ centered. What does that have to do with us at our level of being practical? Grandfather, lady, please join us Monday night. You've got your friends. Limited night. We don't want another night out. A number of folks at Espan Alliance Church are foodies in terms of they want us to enjoy good food. But sometimes there's, there's, it doesn't always work to do it when we want to do it because other food stuff is going on. But can we work together and communicate and make sure we understand what, well, how do you want to do it, what do you want to do? We have lots of people involved in children's ministry. But we don't have a lot of resources. So how do we share those resources? How do we work together? How do we work together? That's, lots of us want to pray. And, and we have our ideas of let's pray this way, let's pray this time. We can't do it all. So we have to come together. And somehow we have to agree that whether it's a style or a viewpoint or an opinion about how, what should happen, that needs to go. When it comes down to Jesus, our coming king, one word is the same.